Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Well, here we are, 113 episodes later. I appreciate each and every one of y'all for for constantly, you know, the, the constant support and constantly following and check in regularly to see if a new episode has dropped. You know, I've, since I stopped dropping episodes every Monday, I can tell you, I feel like it's lightened my load a lot. And I feel like, um, I feel a lot better because I didn't realize not to rehash things that I've already rehashed or or hashed out in, in certain episodes, but I didn't realize the, the weight of constantly, um, trying to update podcast because like I say this isn't like a fun outgoing energetic podcast every Monday this is it shit gets kind of real and gets kind of deep and I didn't realize from week to week at pumping that content out at, at how dark I was making my own world so man just thank y'all for hanging in there and letting me um just relax a little bit and and you just because I can go and see the downloads and you you guys are all still there it's not like anybody said well fuck Travis he's not dropping them every Monday we're just going to go and he can lick ass. It's not like that. You guys are still there. You're hanging in there. Um, so I just want to say thank you. I'm going to address all kinds of things today. I've been taking notes over the last couple of weeks and just some some things I want to talk about. And this this episode is titled Emotionless, em, Emotionless Wreck for a reason. You know, you hear when you hear people that are an emotional wreck, we tend to think, well, that person is always crying and, um, they're completely unstable. And you would, I guess you would visualize somebody being emotional. And I want to talk about being the emotionless wreck, the ones that show no emotion and the ones that seem like they're cold hearted sons of bitches like me. I want to address the inability to show emotion to emotional people. And I want to talk about that in a very uncomfortable way. I realized this a little while back one time when my wife and I were having a deep conversation and she was emotional. And while she was emotional and and explaining her side of things and why she felt the way she felt, I was sitting there with no emotion. I was sitting there completely emotionless, completely stone-faced. And I think it made it even more emotional for her because here she is saying everything she feels to a person who clearly, visibly on the outside feels nothing. And I don't know 
how helpless and hopeless that would feel because I don't really get emotional. And it was in that moment, I felt horrible for her. And I felt horrible that I couldn't have the emotion that was needed for that conversation. I felt horrible that I didn't have the empathy in, in that time of need for her. And here's what I've come up with, not making excuses. I just don't think I'm capable. And I just don't think I'm capable for many, many reasons. I'm not going to give excuses, but I am going to talk about what I believe it is from. I believe it stems from being a young man when I was very young. And when you get hurt or something hurts your feelings, you're not allowed to cry. You are trained to keep those emotions in. You are trained at a very young age that crying is a bad thing. And therefore, emotion is a bad thing. I remember when you would get spanked with a belt. And you're told right before, you better not cry or you're going to get spanked even harder. I want you to think about that. How many of you grew up that same way? And what that does to your young mind at such a young age. And how it does not allow the emotional side of you to blossom. I think emotions, now as a grown man, I think they're healthy. And I feel I feel stripped of that. And it's not just from my childhood. It's also from the rest of my upbringing or the rest of my growth period through my life. You know, when you go into the Marines, or let's just say football and baseball when you're young, you're also told, get up when it's hurting. You're not allowed to be hurt. You're not allowed to address pain. You're not allowed to have tears. Tears make you weak, so you believe that. And then you go into the Marine Corps, right? Like I did, or whatever branch you go into where bearing was a huge thing. Like you got to maintain your bearing. You know what that means? That means show no emotion, good, bad, or indifferent. When the word comes down and it's good, you're stone-faced. When the word comes down and it's bad, you're stone-faced. You're not allowed to show emotion. Get out of that and then go to the police department. Now you're a police officer, you're young in your career, you're witnessing all these bad things happen and people are watching you. If you're emotional, they're emotional. When they're emotional, you have to be stone-faced. I remember working scenes where there's dead people all around and there's family members around and your heart does break for them, but there's no emotion. I remember telling family members their loved one has passed, their loved one is gone, and watching them just completely shatter. And there's no emotion from me. Same as in the fire service. You go to these scenes, there's no emotion. So let me ask you, when you go home and you're sitting there with a spouse who is completely emotional, how do you show emotion? How do you show emotion when... When you've been stripped of it, you know, one of the hardest things for me is when my daughters get emotional, it, it tears me up inside because I know they're looking at me and they're wanting more from me and I don't have it. It's hard for me to give that. I can actually get emotional on here talking about certain things, but when it comes to showing emotion to people that I love, I can't find it. And I know I'm not the only one. I watch grown men when I do when I teach post traumatic purpose I watch grown men fight everything inside of them to not cry because their spouse is sitting there. I see it happening. I watch these tough ass grown men 
sit there and I watch their eyes water and I watch everything they're doing in that moment. And it takes everything they have to fight it. They're fighting it because they understand in their mind, it makes them weak if they let that out. I see it every time. There has never been a time where I have not taught post-traumatic purpose, where I have not seen a grown man do this. And I watch them leave the room and I watch them afterwards wiping their nose or hiding like while they wipe the tears out of the corners of their eyes because I know I said something that they relate to. And feeling emotional feels weak to us. I don't know how to change that. I don't know even any advice to give anybody that's going through that. But I think the best thing that we can do is communicate with the people that we love and say, look, I understand you'd probably like to see more from me right now. But I don't have the ability to give that. It's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm this cold-hearted motherfucker. And it's not that I'm not compassionate. If there's anything that makes me feel extremely uncomfortable in this world, it's sitting in front of an emotional human being. It's very hard for me because I feel like because my, my, I can't match your emotions, I feel even more callous and cold hearted. And I feel like I'm depriving you of compassion in that moment of, of time of your life. And that's one thing I do not like about myself. I'll put that out there. That's one thing that if I could change about me, I would like to change the ability to not be so emotionless when people are emotional. Because people, I'm not saying I can't be compassionate. But it's something that comes over me that it it's almost like this impromptu outer harder shell comes over me. And just like those men in the audience that I was just telling you about, I start becoming that man and I start doing everything I can to fight the emotion. So there's no weakness. And I know that's wrong. And when I look at my life and I look at the way I was programmed, I don't know how to do that. And I know that this would be helpful to spouses out there who, who are married to a man like me. Or a woman like me, not saying I identify as a woman. That's not what I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying. We have a lot of women in this business too. But people that have been so hardened by their circumstances that they don't have the ability to show you emotion. And that doesn't mean they don't care about you. That doesn't mean they don't love you. That doesn't mean that they're not hurting too. You know, my best emotional times are when I'm alone. It's, it's the times when nobody gets to see me. It's. It's the times when I'm on the road and I'm laying in a hotel bed and I'm in complete pain mentally and physically and I'm crying and sobbing like a baby in a hotel room after one of my events because of everything I just experienced and the weight dump that comes with that. That just happened in Massachusetts. I had such an amazing event in uh, Mansfield with Scars and Stripes. Scars and Stripes hosted this event and let me tell you something. I went in there we had close to 300 people and it was probably the most fun event I've ever had. These motherfuckers were on point. And when I call y'all motherfuckers, you know, I love you. But after that event, while I was standing there signing books 
every joint in my body started hurting. My spine started hurting. My feet started hurting. My head, I started getting a a horrible uh, migraine headache. And the emotions that were running through my body were starting to overwhelm me. And after the line died down and I I finished selling books and signing books and t-shirts and stuff like that, I went straight back to my hotel bed and that was at two o'clock in the afternoon and I did not get out of it, out of that bed until eight o'clock the next morning. And I laid in bed and this is me just trying to be transparent because I don't get emotional in front of people. And I got extremely emotional laying in that bed. This is from a culmination of things. It was from the pain I was in. It was from the trauma dump that I just experienced because I threw my whole heart into it. I always do. But there was a, a connection with that audience that that was fucking phenomenal. And that's the side of me people don't see. When you see me on Instagram and it seems, hey, man, these are great events. And you see me smiling on camera. There's a lot of pain behind that. And I think that's typical of people like me. I think that's typical of people that are built like me to carry the weight of the world and show you none of that weight. Um, I don't know. I just I felt compelled to tell you all this. Because I see what's happening out there with post-traumatic purpose when I teach. I can't tell you the messages and the feedback after that event. I can't. It's, it's, they're still coming in days later. And it's from people like me. It's from people that are married to people like me. And it's not giving answers, but it is helping them understand a little bit. And I had somebody ask me that knows why. Somebody close to me that knows the pain that I'm in when I do these events. They say, Travis, what is the cost? Why do you keep doing this? And the reason I keep doing this is because I see what's happening. I see the paradigm shift that's going on. I see what's happening in these families. They're starting to open up. They're starting to communicate. And I feel like what I'm doing is making a difference and I'm proud of it and I'll do it even if it hurts me. And it's just like most of you, you'll do the job you do. Even if it costs you your life, you'll do it. Well, it's no different for me over here. It's taking a piece of my soul every single time I do it, but it's also breathing life into somebody else's soul every time I do it. So how do you walk away from that? I don't, I don't think you do. My point is, I'm trying to work on not being an emotional basket case, but I'm trying to work on trying to turn off that switch that shuts those emotions down every single time somebody's emotional. I told you I'm open to growth as a man, and that's what I'm trying to do. My biggest goal in life is for my daughters to witness their father continuously growing and to never see me grow into this old man who's just so set in his ways that he'll rather stay a miserable, grumpy fuck with no friends and no family than addressing the issues he has in his own life and growing to become a better man.
That's my goal. So if you listen to the last episode, you, you heard about the boating incident and my thought process on why I don't go out and do certain things. And because every time I do something, you're surrounded by idiots and you have jackasses that endanger your family unintentionally, but they do. And they, they irritate you because, uh, they're, they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're intoxicated, et cetera, et cetera. And people like me don't fare well with that in those environments. So what do we typically do? We typically recluse and stay away from those environments so we don't get triggered. And after talking about that in length in the last episode, I actually sat down with my therapist and I explained what was going on. And my therapist is one of my favorite people in the world. And she helps me see things differently. And that's why I encourage other people to go, go, go to therapy because I can sit and I talk about this in post-traumatic purpose. I can sit there and talk with a dude like me all day and we get nowhere. We go in circles because we're both cynical and we see the world the same fucked up way. But when I go talk to her, I get to see the world through a different lens. And I was going to read this email that she wrote to me, but I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase. She was saying, as, I, as she was listening to the podcast and I was talking about hypervigilance and the quick reaction for me to say things like, this is why I don't do things like that. She said that she had an idea. She said, rather than hoping to become less vigilant, I wonder what it would be like in that moment to just intentionally widen the lens as those assholes are poorly pulling in next to you and causing disruption. And you think this is why I don't do this. I wonder what it would be like to also intentionally look around and answer. This is why I do it. And it could be something as simple as noticing that your girls are having a blast taking in the scenery and remembering an earlier moment when you all bonded over your enjoyment being out on the boat. And this is why I do this. I bring them out and I safely guard them and I safely protect them so they can enjoy their time out here on the boat. So they can enjoy actually having a fun life and not being in fear of everything like I have been and not thinking the world is such a bad place like I do. So essentially when those things are going on around us that we really can't control, I can look at it and say, this is why I do this. It's to shelter them from that. It's so I know they're safe because I'm here. No matter what's going on around this, nothing's going to happen with them because I'm here. I'm trained for this stuff. I'm ready for this stuff. My head's on a swivel for this stuff. And they're going to enjoy their fucking day and they're going to have the best day of their life because I'm their father. And I think that's an amazing way to look at it. And it's an amazing way to shift your thinking from a negative place into a positive light. And I actually did that. I actually did that. We went out on the boat again since then, and we had a fantastic day. And we had a great day because we're still surrounded by all those same kind of people. But the entire time I was thinking... I'm glad I'm their father and I'm glad I'm the one that gets to protect them and look out for them and make sure that they're safe because I'm very confident in my ability to do that. And we had a great day. Now we'll tell you where the day started going wrong because of the kind of the way that I am. And I got to get down here um, 
I don't even know. I don't even need to read the notes. I almost ruined a friendship that morning, the last time that we went on on the boat. <clears throat> As I was trying to work on those things that I was telling you my therapist was telling me to work on, we had a little issue with a group of friends we were taking out on the boat. Now, that morning, I told them, you know how I am with time. I'm the biggest asshole with my time. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if you're my father, my mother, my wife, my daughters. Do not take advantage of my time. I take it very seriously. I feel like my, my personal opinion is this. I feel like my time on this earth is not going to be too long. And whatever fucking time I have left, that's mine. I've sacrificed enough of it throughout my life that I will never get back. I've sacrificed enough of it to where there a lot of enjoyment was sucked out of my life. And so every second for me counts now. Every second. And if you're going to be late by one second, that's too much for me. And I get it. That sounds unreasonable to a lot of people. But for people like me, I guarantee you there's a lot of you motherfuckers nodding your heads right now. You can do anything you want. You can disrespect me. You can do anything, but do not take advantage of my time. Don't waste it because I don't get any more of it. So I'm going to tell you where just a simple breakdown in communication and how two grown alpha males got together and put their bullshit aside and talked like men repaired what was potentially the end of a friendship. Okay. So the day before we were going out on the boat, I saw my buddy's friend and I told her, I said, Hey, I said, we're going to go out at nine o'clock. We're going to be in the water. So y'all be on the dock at nine and we'll pick you up. She said, okay, how long is it going to take you to get there? I didn't understand that question, but I said, it's going to take 10 minutes to get there. And what I was talking about was it was going to take us 10 minutes to get from my house to where we put our boat in. And then we put our boat in. We're already there. We're at, we're at the dock at nine. We're in the water at nine. We took them out on the boat previously last year in a different place. She thought that I was putting my boat in 15 minutes away and that I was going to be in the water at nine o'clock at a different location. And it was going to take us 15 minutes to get to the new location where we were picking them up. She never told me that she just said, okay, it's going to take 15 minutes. You're going to be in the water at nine. So her thinking was they'll be here at nine 15. My thinking was we're in the water at the location. I'm picking you up at nine. You better fucking be there. So how about 858 rolls around? We're circling in the water and I'm looking at my phone and I look at my wife and I go, they're not here yet. And I go at nine o'clock, we're leaving. And she starts shaking her head because she knows I'm serious. Well, one minute later, 859, I call my friend and I go, Hey man, where are you at? And he goes, Oh, we're just leaving the house. And I didn't say anything. And the reason I didn't say anything is because what I wanted to say was vicious. And this is me working on me, trying to be a better human being. This is where words matter. And you think words don't matter. They matter. So I didn't say anything. And my friend's an alpha male too. And he took my silence as an aggressive pause because he could tell, he goes, what's wrong? I said, well, we told you we were going to be in the water at nine. And when I said that, he challenged me. He goes, well, if it's a big deal that we're not there at nine o'clock, y'all go ahead and go. So I said, well, fuck it. We're leaving then. Have a good day. And I hung up the phone. 
And I look at my wife and I look at my kids and I go, well, friends aren't coming. We're going by ourselves. And everybody was disappointed immediately. Everybody was like, well, here's dad again. Here's dad overreacting. Here's dad being an asshole. Here's dad doing what he does best, ruining friendships. But to me, I was standing my ground on my beliefs. Don't fuck with my time. I don't get it back. Does it seem unreasonable? Yes. Well, lo and behold, as I'm about to hit the throttle about a minute later, after I got done explaining what was going on, I'm about to throttle up and we're about to head out. The phone rings and it's my friend. And I knew one of two things. I said, I'm going to take this call. He's either calling to apologize for being late or he's calling to make things work worse. And I knew, I said, and I looked at her and I said, I looked at my wife. I said, as a man, I said, if he calls and apologizes and owns that shit, we got no problems. How about this? How about my buddy? When I answered the phone, the first words out of his mouth, he says, dude, listen, I'm sorry if there was some miscommunication, but if you'll let me explain, I think we can figure this out. And right then I've never in my life had a problem with somebody that owns their shit. You come at me with some bullshit excuse. I will not respect that ever. I've had people come up to me with half-ass apologies and they'll turn their apology into it. It was your fault and it was your problem and nobody takes ownership and we, and, and we don't get anywhere with that. But he explained, we didn't know you were putting your boat in right there and that you were going to be there at nine. The last time we went on the boat with you, you put it in 15 minutes away. You told us you were going to be in the water at nine. We thought it was going to take you 15 minutes to get there. We were on track to be there at 915 to be on the dock waiting for you at 915. I said, you know what, brother? Just get here. They got there. We shook hands. We laughed about it. We talked about it. It was a simple breakdown and miscommunication, but it was one man being so prideful of his beliefs that I couldn't let it go. And I tell you all that to tell you this. My friend that day was a bigger man than me. He didn't have to call me and apologize. He could have let me be an asshole, but he was more of a man than I am. And he owned the situation. He, he took the blame. He owned it. How do you, how, how can you be upset for somebody that owns their mistakes? What's the point in this Travis? You say there are people in your life who genuinely will apologize, who genuinely own their bullshit. Let them and move on from it and don't hold them. Don't make it any harder. Than it needs to be. Don't hold a grudge. We had an amazing day that day. And we, he and I talked about it later that day, man. And I told him, I said, man, I'm glad you were more of a man than me. I said, because I was going to, that was it for us. We, I said, our friendship was over. You challenging me like that. You taking advantage of my time. It was over. And then when I hear myself say these things, man, I'm a hard guy to be a friend with. I'm a hard guy to be a friend too. I'll give you the shirt off my back but just don't take advantage of my time and see that they didn't do it intentionally. It was unintentionally. And it just makes me really disappointed with the, with the way that I am. Sometimes I'm so strong in my convictions that there's no wiggle room and it causes problems. And it's, I understand this. I tell people in post-traumatic purpose, a lot of people like me, we get so stuck on the person that we are that we refuse to bend for other people. 
We have that mindset of this is the way I am. Fuck it. If y'all don't like it, y'all can all go up the street. That's the mentality that we have. And I tell people all the time, you can't be like that. Not everybody is like you. You have to be able to adapt to people. And you have to have some wiggle room in your life. I I don't think that that event specifically is what... That wasn't the straw that broke the camel's back. There were some other things going on in my life as, as far as that morning, especially with time. Um, I, I was upset with my family because they weren't out the door at 830 when I said, I mean, they were out the door at like 832 and that was unacceptable. You see what I'm getting at? I know I'm not the only person like this. I'll tell you another incident that I'm proud of was we were at jujitsu and I always take my own water because my water is always ice cold and my daughters always bring their waters and they forget to put ice. So they like to come and steal my water all the time. And I get tired of it. I'm like, look, just put some ice in your shit and we're good. Well, they came over to the sidelines to take a little break when they had a water break and my daughter grabs my cup and it's a big old cup of water and she dropped it and it just went everywhere. And I told y'all about that episode of, uh, that I called screaming over spilled milk because we don't cry over spilled milk. People like us, you spill something, we lose our shit and we go ape shit. It's the, it, so in this moment, it was the lack of respect for my water. It was, I've already told you a hundred times, don't drink my water, drink your own water. You know, I'm trying to teach my girls like, look, you want something a certain way. You do it. You get your own ice, you get your own water and just put ice in it. It's that simple, but don't drink mine, you know? Plus, you motherfuckers are nasty. I don't know what, where y'all little faces have been, you know? So anyway, she drops it in front of the whole class. And something inside of my body was ready to explode. But I'm proud to tell you it didn't. I sat there very calmly, and I thought about this. I think I saw this on Joe Rogan somewhere. I thought, if the 80-year-old version of yourself could tell yourself right now, if your 80-year-old version of you was looking at you right now, what would that 80-year-old version say? And you know what he said? He said, I wish I could have another moment like this in my life with you. That's what the 80-year-old version of me in that moment told myself. Because I know what I'm about to explode over is fucking absolutely nothing. And I'd give anything in my life. One day in this, in this life, I'd give anything in my life to go back to this moment with her. So make the best of it. So I sat there. She said, sorry, daddy. And I go, don't worry about it. She went back on the mat and I cleaned up the mess. I cleaned up the whole mess. And you know what? Looking back at that, that was several weeks ago now. It was no big deal. And she's not traumatized over it. You know what she did? She spilled a glass of water. No big fucking deal. But in that moment, I could have traumatized her. In that moment, I could have talked down to her. I could have got mad at her and it could have done something to her. To the point where it increases her anxiety levels in life. And she tiptoes around daddy. And that's stuff I've been working on for many years. That wasn't the first time that I I, um, held it all together. I've been doing that for a long time now. But it's just a scenario that I paint for for you all. Because again, I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one when a door slams or somebody does something loud. You lose your shit. But you gotta remember when you lose your shit. 
does it do more to you? Does it, does it help you more or does it do more harm to them? And that is the point I'm trying to make. Your actions and your words can cause harm or you can use it as a teaching moment. And that's what, that's what I love about being a daddy. I'm constantly growing because of these girls. They're teaching me more about me than I think I'm ever teaching them. I went back and got my beard trimmed again. Um, I always, I always tell people to put, put yourself in uncomfortable situations so you can work through it. Don't run from uncomfortable situations. And if you listen to previous episodes, you'll hear the story about me going to the barber and getting my beard trimmed. And without telling me, he covered my face with a towel, a wet towel and started running water behind me. And it was kind of like a waterboarding situation is what it felt like. I know it sounds stupid, but that's what it felt like to me. And I started getting sweaty hands and I started like kind of getting panicky and all this. So what I did the next time when I went in to get my beard trim, I told him about it. And he says, you know what, man, we do a lot of military people's beards in here. And I've never once thought about that. He goes, I'm going to keep that in consideration. And I'm going to ask them now, is it, is it okay? Was it going to make you uncomfortable? Well, he wasn't going to do it. And I said, no, I need you to do it again. I need, I need to put myself through this again. So I can work through it. And he was like, are you sure? So that's what we did. He put a hot, wet towel over my face again. Fucking water was running right behind me. He had a razor on my neck shaving me. I couldn't see shit. And I just worked on my breathing. And I know as silly as that sounds, we have to do things like that. Because from here on out, now every time I go, it's not a big deal. It doesn't have to make me anxious. It doesn't have to make me nervous. We have to learn to address the things and work through the things that scare us. I think that's a, a really, a really important lesson. And it's something that we, you know, we teach our children that, so we need to practice it as well. Another reason I thought about what I do for a living is this is, this is going to be hard to talk about. This is going to be really hard, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you all this because it's, it's important for me. I think part of the reason that I do what I do is one, it helps a lot of people, but two, I feel like, I feel like somebody when I'm out there doing it. And what I mean by that is I feel like I feel like I have a purpose. I feel like I'm helping make a difference in the world somehow. But when I'm home, I feel like nobody sometimes. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to really put in words. But it's a shit feeling. It's a very shit feeling. And again, I bring this point home. Because of this, I know many of first responders out there who feel the same way. They feel like somebody when they're on the job. They feel like somebody when they're out there making a difference, when they're impacting people's lives and when they're serving something greater than themselves. You feel like somebody in that moment. Same as my military brothers and sisters. And then when you're not doing that, sometimes you feel like nobody. And that's some of the most dangerous times in our life. And I think... 
That's why when I was in bed in Massachusetts last week, I started thinking about that and it fucking hit me right in my heart because you go from such an extreme high when you're impacting other human beings lives and then in a flip of a switch the events over and you're alone and you're laying in a bed in pain a thousand miles from your family it fucking hurts and in that moment you feel like nobody and I think that's important to understand that you're allowed to have downtime. You can't be on all of the time. You can't be in super saver mode all of the time. You have to rest. You have to allow your body to recuperate, your mind to recuperate. And you got to take advantage of downtime when you have it. So you can be better for the people that need you when they need you. I got, um, I got a crazy schedule coming up. I'm going to, I'm going to read it off to you because I know I'll mess it up and then I'm going to close out. So we just finished Mansfield, um, Massachusetts. My next my next tour date is uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. If you go on my website, some of these registration dates are available. The ones that are open to the public, they're available. All you have to do is go click on and they're and they're free. So come and click on them and register. So uh, July 24th, Madisonville, Kentucky, that's open to the public. Um, Roanoke, Virginia is August the 17th. You can go to my website and register for that one. That's open to the public. Um, let's see. Springfield, Illinois has been canceled. Reading, Pennsylvania. I may potentially, that's on the 9th of September. I may potentially have a registration link for that. They are doing, um, they're doing phases of registrations for that. So I will be alerted during the third phase of registration, which could be like a week or two. So if you're waiting for Reading, Pennsylvania, just wait another week or two and I'll have the word on that. Um, and September the 19th, I'm in Plymouth, Minnesota. I'm still uncertain if that one's open to the public. Um, let's see, we have September the 21st. That'll be Martinsville, Indiana. I'm still waiting to see if that one's open to the public. September the 23rd. I need everybody to listen. Who's in the Midwest. Who's in Illinois. We're going to be in Carthage, Illinois. That's a small town. And we're going to pack that bitch out. Let me tell you why the hundred club of Illinois has gotten behind us and sponsored this event. Now, if you don't know about the hundred club of Illinois, they are a magnificent organization. They help first responders all over the state, actually all over the country because they're in multiple states. I believe they're in all the states, but they're an amazing organization. Um, so if you're in or near the Midwest and you want to come to Carthage, Illinois on September the 23rd, please go to my website, travishowes.com, click to register, and you can come for free. On September the 29th, I'm back in Cobb County, Georgia at the Cobb County Public Safety Foundation at the Cobb County Public Services Building. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, still waiting to hear if that one's open to the public. On, let's see, October the 4th, I will be in Ridgeland, South Carolina. That is open to the public. So if you're down south and you want to come to another great event, it's going to be a smaller event in Ridgeland, South Carolina. That's going to be be a good one to come to. So go and register for that one on my website. 
Um, October the 11th, I'm in Naperville, Illinois. That's a private event. October the 28th, I'm in Los Angeles, California. That's a private event. And November the 2nd, I'm in Honolulu, Hawaii, and that's a private event. Other than that, that's the remaining tour schedule for the year, and I'm booking into 2024, and we have like seven or eight dates in 2025 already. Um, There's nobody doing post-traumatic, like there's nobody teaching and doing mental health the way that I do it. And I'm, I'm, I love that. I love that I'm different. I love that I'm saying shit that's uncomfortable for people. I love that I'm not your, your typical standing, standing behind a fucking podium, running a goddamn PowerPoint, doing check in the box training. I love it. Come to these events, come get grimy with us. We, we, we do, we talk about what this thing really is. We take the fucking gloves off and we have fun. We laugh, we fucking cry and we address the real issues. Bring your family members, spouses, spouses, spouses. You are always welcome to my events. I absolutely love having y'all there. I cannot wait to see every fucking one of y'all. I love you. Have a great day.